what the Lord wants us to do. We've been looking and studying uh, about the end times. Before I get started, I was with Pastor Gary last night, and he believes, uh, and I, I agree with him, um, in the condition of our country and what is going on. I think it is wise for believers to be good stewards of what they have. And if we can, in, in, in what you ever can do to get out of debt, I think it would be good to do that. And uh, so, he, you know, as I was talking to him last night, I worked for Pastor Gary on, on the side. And, and before you get, okay, here's a plug for a job. Listen, this is a free service, so just chilly out, okay? All right. What we do is Pastor has, a, has his own company. Um, it's called Forward Financial Group. And we help people get out of debt. We help them do it. Uh, for free. There is no cost with it. Some of them, I've helped many families in this church already, and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that. Well, because I don't announce that. But if you're like, hey, I'd like to, to do that again. I, we got off track, or if I can help you, there, it, again, it's free. We can get most families out of debt in five to seven years, including their mortgage, without changing their income. That's pretty huge. What would it be like in five years or less, or seven years or less? Sometimes it's more, just depending on your circumstances, to be like, I have no car payment, I have no house payment. What could you do for the kingdom of God? I mean, could you, what if God said, hey, I want you to go over here and witness to people. I want you to travel. I want you to do this, or I want you to sow over here. Wouldn't that be great to be able to do that? Again, there's no cost for that. Uh, if that's something I can help you with, you can see me after service, or you can see Pastor Kim, and we can get your contact information if we don't have it, and then I'll get in touch with you. Again, we love you. Okay, we're done with that, all right? So commercial's over. Okay, let's move on. So we've been talking about the end times. And I want to just welcome you today as we are getting ready. Last week we left off with the corrupted church, Thyatira, and, uh, and it needed to change. But how many knows we all need something to change? We need to, to help ourselves get to where God wants us to be. And each of these letters, there's seven of them. We're going to finish the letters up today, and then we're going to move on into more of Revelation. And we're starting to get into, starting next week, more of the stuff that some of you are like, ooh, yeah, we're getting into the good stuff. But we need to lay foundation on these letters. So we're going to talk a little bit about today, about last week we left off in 1500s for church history. We were rough on the Catholic Church. I told you this week Protestants were next. And so matter what, these are all letters. We need to understand these are letters Jesus wrote to seven churches, and it's his church. Okay? He loves you. He loves the church. And he is he's writing these, and this is to his bride, the church. And remember this, and it's a constant theme throughout these letters. He disciplines those he loves. So chapter 3 opens the next letter, and we're looking at letter 5. And uh, so as we get started, have you ever got into something and you're gung-ho? I mean, you're just like, yes, man, and, and you get in, and then somewhere along the line, you lose the fervor for that, or it didn't happen as quick as you thought, or then that happened kind of with diets. Man, I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to eat soup for five days and lose 52 pounds. That's what's going to happen. And uh, about day four, you can't even look at cabbage and, and be right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, we've all done stuff like that where we start out and we're like, ah. Oh. So I get it. Um, and we forget why we started sometimes. So I just, I, I'm not sure. So if you can relate this even to New Year's resolutions, we all start out and we have these great plans and it, something happens or life happens as we know. In January, the gyms are full by March or, you know, they're, they're about to like they were be, before. Maybe they picked up a few new people. Some of the statistics for 2021, 31% of the surveyed participants plan on making a resolution in 2021. 19% are still undecided. I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. 
But anyway, here's some, some of those. And most of these are what you'd think. Um, we're going to exercise more. We're going to get in shape. 50% say that. We're going to lose weight. 48% say that. I'm going to save money. 44%. Eating better. 39%. All of those are kind of connected. Uh, the ones that made resolutions in 2020, 35% kept all their resolutions. 49 kept some of them. And 16 failed to keep any of them. And so, you know, as we're saying that, you're like, okay, Brett, what's your point? I'm just saying, in life, it can happen. And we've all gotten busy, and, you know, we start out with a mindset, and we meant well, but it ends up where we get kind of pulled from that. It happens in the church as well. And I think every church just probably goes through stuff, when, that's what we're going to talk about, where he's giving warnings to what is happening. Uh, this is the dead church of Sardis. This is letter five. And it had a great reputation. In other words, it started out good. It started doing good things. It was full of life. But then somehow along the way, it fell asleep. So Jesus disciplines those he loves in the sleeping church. He says, wake up. And he says, it's time to finish what you started. Revelation 3, 1 through 6. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has sevenfold spirit of God. And the seven stars, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They'll walk with me in white, for they're worthy." All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand that he is saying what he is saying to the churches. The word reputation that we read in the beginning of that uh, text means name, and in the Greek it's a noma, which is the English word for denomination. And so Sardis is a picture of the Protestant church, and then at that time, the explosion of denominations. So the time frame in here is about 1500 to 1700s, and I don't want to get anybody upset, but don't shoot the messenger. I'm just trying to, okay, we're just trying to get through and say, Lord, what do we need to find in this? But I do want you to see what God is saying and take it personally for yourself so that you can line up with the word. If you ever are around Pastor Kim and I, when we pray for you, you'll hear me say a lot of times, uh, line up with the word of God. We want you to line up with the word of God. And you say, well, why would you say that? Because the word never changes. The word is constant. It is always there. It never comes back void. It is, there's nothing it cannot accomplish. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning was God, and the word was God. So that's why we line up with the word, because there is no error in the word. Come on. So we might as well line up with the thing that's going to keep us straight. So... Uh, the majority of the Protestant churches, what did they need? I'll tell you what they need, because God gave us his spirit, his Holy Spirit, and that's what we need. He's the difference maker. It is that, remember that connection. When you get born again, your spirit connects with God, and the Holy Spirit inside of you is the one that walks and talks and leads, and it's Jesus and God in the spirit, the three in one. And we need that. It is, it is God... In, telling you, here, I need you to do this, or I want you to do that, pray for this, or whatever that is. Somebody say amen to that, because the Holy Spirit is the difference maker. Jesus says in verse 2, he says they're dead, and he tells them to wake up, he says their work isn't done. In the 1500s, the church was protested because it had many uh, excesses and extremes, and reformation began. Kind of like today, excesses and extremes, I guess. 
Here's the definition of reformation, because I, I put this stuff in there. If it doesn't help you, it helps me. So help me, help you, help me, okay? Reformation is the 16th century movement in Western Europe uh, that aimed at reforming some doctrines and practices of the Roman Catholic Church and resulted in the establishment of the Protestant churches. Now, remember when we were so rough on the Catholics uh, last week. So this is what we're talking about, this Reformation, because they were saying, okay, uh, some of this is, I don't know if this is correct or this, and so then things began to form from that. The word Sardis means red, and that's the color of Reformation. They returned to the Bible, changed the course of history, but the work still wasn't done. They had fallen asleep along the way. Movements became monuments. Some things which should not be forgotten were lost. I think it's important that we remember the things that are important. If you go through the Bible, many of the the great men and women of the Bible built monuments or altars that would honor God, and to this day, some of those are still there because they honored God, and we don't want to lose that. Some of your heritage, maybe your, your mother, your father, your grandfather that believed and loved the Lord Jesus, and, and you might want to remember some of those or share those with your children. This is what Jesus tells that church in verse 3, to remember, hold on to, and repent. In other words, he's saying, get back to what you know. And, and, and quit doing what you've been doing. And they got back to the Bible. That's what he's telling them to get. Go back to the Bible. And that's where your answer is, friends. That's where all of us, our answers that we need are in the Word. You can find the answer in the Word of God. The Word never fails. Never fails. Faith is always in the Word of God. In verse 4, he says that there's still some who are clean. And we see that Jesus, in every letter, there's still a faithful remnant. There's still those that are saying, you know what? I'm not going with this. I can't find it to line up with that. I'm sticking with what I know, with what God has told me. And so he commends those, and, he, and we see that remnant, and he promises a great reward. And he doesn't want people to give up on the church. You know, and today we live in times where people, there's people that won't go to church because they got hurt in church. Somebody, because they're people, how many know as soon as you walk in the door, it's not perfect anymore? If the only person that attended this church was Jesus, it'd be perfect. But because you and I are in here, but is it not true that Christ lives in us if we're a believer, those that are online? If you got Jesus in your heart, then God, he is helping you. Come on. He is, his grace will help you, sufficient mercies. I mean, we can't do it without Christ, but we know that we need Christ. So he promises great reward, and he says, don't give up on the church. He still, he loves people, and he loves his church. I could ask for a show of hands. There's people in here that have been in the denomination and have left. And I get it. Um, even, you know, they, they once started out something and now there's something else. And I'm not going to name them here and I'm not going to bash denominations. I'm just saying we all know what's happened. That's kind of what happened to my folks. They got saved and born again and were in a denomination. And then they just started getting hungry for God and they found out that... At that particular domination said that, this is it, it's as good as it gets. And my dad and my mom said, that can't be it. There's got to be more. And so they said, see ya, in a good way. They, you know, and they, they left and they found out, wow, the gifts are alive today. The Holy Spirit is working today. God is still moving today. He still heals today. He still delivers today. He still saves today. He still cares today. You can have what he has and what he says today. It's amazing what God can do. So many people left their denomination and they said there must be more. The average age in a denominational church is around 60 and there's some, I have people that tell me, just say, we don't have any young people in our church. But then again, they won't do anything for young people. 
Not in every case. And so, again, I'm not bashing. I don't know, you know. Uh, I feel like Woody from Toy Story. If the boot fits. I mean, I don't know. But it's time for us to wake up. Every generation needs a revolution, and every generation needs a revelation. We need to hear from God. We need to know, God, what can we learn from that letter? So if you've fallen asleep and, and you're saying, you know what, I just church used to be so exciting, and now it's just you know, time to make the donuts. Okay, it's time to wake up. Time to get back to work. Do you know people are like, well, we want God in this place. Do you know how God works in this place? Because people are thinking, well, God has to come down. No, he is inside you. And for God to work, then you have to let God inside you. Instead of waiting on God to pour it down, let it out. So we help with the presence of God by, by just saying, God, I'm involved in you. I love you, and I'm going to give my heart and myself to you. So let's go to letter five, the loving church. So we're moving on. Sometimes the church gets it right. This particular church, uh, you know, is getting it right. Church, really, if you look at the history of church, it's been an incredible force in our history. Has it had mistakes? Sure it has. Still has done some good things. Uh, the history or through our church walk today, as far as that goes, to the Great Awakening and the missions movement in the 18th and 19th century. It's, this is six of the seven letters from Jesus. And this is to the church in Philadelphia, the church of faithfulness and brotherly love. Jesus opens the door for the gospel, and it says that no one can shut. So, so far, we've almost been like in a Clint Eastwood Western, spaghetti Western. You know, if we could whistle... We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we can kind of relate to all of those. We've all probably been good, we've been bad, and we've been ugly. You know, we've all had those times. I mean, if there were cheerleaders here in the church in our history at different times, we would do that one cheer. Now, I married a cheerleader, but here's the cheer we'd probably do. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Maybe you never heard that cheer. Uh, she, you're not helping, honey. <laughs> she said, I never cheered that. <laughs> but not everything in the church was bad. If somebody hurt you in the past, there are people that are unchurched, and there are people that are just, you know, they won't go to church because they were hurt by, whether it's a, a preacher or a minister or just parishioners or whatever. I'm telling you, the church is full of imperfect people. You're going to need to apply what the Word says and get back to where God needs you to be. Good still remains. In letter 6 to Philadelphia, this is the ancient city. This isn't the city with the steps that Rocky ran up on. Just wanted to clarify. People are like, oh, oh, that's that church. Yeah, he sent a letter to them. Rocky, where's that letter at? Absolutely, I don't know. It wasn't there. This is the ancient city in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia does, though, mean city of brotherly love. So when it gets it right, we, we do it right. It works. It fills the gaps. So in the last couple of letters, they weren't the best, but this one shows what potential is. So right when you think, hey, the church is just never going to get it, comes along a church that finally gets something right. Remember, Jesus loves his church. He died for her. And the church, now let's think about the force that the church has proven in history. 
Through the church, we've fought racism. We've outlawed slavery. We've established equality as human rights. We've opened orphanages, rescued and rebuilt after disasters. We've sent food to places like that. We've helped found schools, rehabilitate drug addicts, fed the poor, cared for the least and the last major cities to remote places on the planet. And if you go ask those people who did this, they would all say this was for the king or Jesus or God or these people. If you ask the people that ministered that, why'd you go? God sent me. Why'd you do it? God told me. The people that got it would say, God blessed us. Look how God sent these people. God would be the common denominator in all of that. You ought to know that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we should be about our father's business. He's our foundation. And remember, in Revelation, this is about revealing Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Jesus reveals himself to and through his church. In each letter, there's an element of who he is, and he is rebuilding foundation. He's pulling out this and putting this and showing you this and doing all those things. Revelation 3, 7 says, Write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, or church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. For this church, it's all about the open door. So in other words, this church put leather on their shoes and took it outside the four walls. In other words, they got to hear what God wanted them to do, and they said, we got to tell people about this. And, you know, I literally, in the first service, I remember talking with someone, and she had asked me about church, and we had already started this church, and it was growing, and she says, is your church growing? And I said, yeah, and she, and this, she said, she's very kind. She said, I wouldn't like your church. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, well, because I'm sure it's nice, but I like mine, and these were her exact words, because it's us four and no more. Somehow that doesn't seem to rhyme up with scripture or line up in any way. I mean, is that now, isn't it to go to the world and, and tell them about Jesus, to the highways and the byways to compel them to come in? You know, we're looking, which church does that fit in? I'm not trying to be judged, but I'm just like, glad I don't go there. Revelation 3, 7 like I said, write to the church in Philadelphia. This is a message from the one who's holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. So this church goes out, and Sardis was told to wake up. Philadelphia was like, okay, I get the message. We're, we're not going to be like that. We're going to do that. So two major events happened in the 17 to 1800s in the church, the Great Awakening and the modern missionary movement. So there's preachers that were just on fire, like uh, Edwards and Whitfield. They just went and they started preaching the gospel. I mean, whether, you know, people were like, let's fire and brimstone. Whatever they're preaching, it was stirring people up because they were preaching everything from the Bible. They went back to the Bible. And what was happening in Philadelphia is they're hearing that and they're like, I got to tell some people because if this is true, they need to know that. In other words, there's an urgency. They said, we can't just keep this secret. Isn't that what the gospel is about? There are people that need to know about Jesus. And it is our job to either show them by our actions or both, and, and sometimes maybe use words. But just be who God wants us to be. They preach the Bible. Revelation 3.8 says this, I know all the things you do, and I've opened the door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. You see, at TLC, this isn't about Pastor Kim. This isn't about Pastor Brett. This isn't about how good Mallory, our worship leader, is. This isn't about that. It isn't about my name. It isn't about True Life Church. Y'all tell you what this is about. This is about the name of God and his church. 
That's what this is about. It is the bigger, broader picture, and we need to get our mind off just us and understand that God has got a plan. It's about his word and his name. Well, what about that open door that nobody can shut? You see, that door led out into the world. When the, when the pastor or the preacher was done, the people were like, Pfft. I mean, have you ever? Now, sometimes we've done it in the wrong way, haven't we? We went out, we went to a restaurant, and we had the preacher for lunch. That's what we talked about. Not good. But sometimes, you know, if we get this right, we talk about, we, we get, can you not pull bones out of something? Get some good meat out of that and then throw the bones away? If I don't say it right, and you might like, well, he's just too ornery. Okay, find something I said that you like. And talk about what God said about that. See if it lines up with the word. And they were so excited about that, they had to go tell people. Man, this is true. I didn't know this because the word still back then gave revelation. Do you understand? There are people like you and me. They might have dressed different. It might have been a different time. But the word doesn't change. It still brought revelation. They still all of a sudden were seeing something. And then maybe they got preached to. And all of a sudden their eyes were open. And they're like, oh, my word. I, I see that now. I got to change that. And they had to go share that. They got fired up. And they went out and started telling people. Then the modern missions movement began. William Carey in India and in China and many, many more people in many more places. Doors were opened up and, and things just started happening. Nobody could shut those. Brotherly love. The church was alive. It cared again. People started going, oh, this is what church is supposed to be like. It wasn't a clique. It wasn't a club. It, it was defined by people serving God. It was kind of the social gospel movement. It's kind of like the Facebook of that time. Catholics and Protestants all began doing acts of kindness to the poor, feeding children, freeing slaves. The last and the least were reached, and people were told about Jesus and were saved. Anybody that would accept him. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever talked to a missionary? I mean, we'd have missionaries come, and we always thought, okay, if the missionary comes, it's going to be a long service. He's going to talk, and it'll be three hours, and you know, because he's got a lot to say, or he's going to show slides. And, and you're going to see, you know, slides and go, oh, and, you know, I get it. It's almost like watching one of those commercials. Ah, and they play the sad music. And if you give today, you know, you almost feel like, oh, I just got to help. I get it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't help in a missionary. I'm not saying missionaries do that for that. But I'm saying they're trying to show you what's really going on. And that stuff does happen. But we've had missionaries in our home. We've been doing ministry for about 30 years. And so we had missionaries in our home. And I remember we had these one. We were like, okay, well, you know, we'll get lunch. And he came in. He said, no, we got lunch for you. And we're like, okay. Now, my kids were small. And Zach is like, hmm. And Sam, now, Sam would eat anything almost that wouldn't eat him first. But, you know, they're looking. We don't know what he's, but he gets in this thing. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, I am not eating bugs. I don't want to eat bugs. I don't care if they're dipped in chocolate. I'm not eating them. Protein. No, no, mm. So, but he brought out, and he had a cooler, and, he, and what he did is he had all kinds of vegetables. And, and, you know, of course, the boys are like, I don't want that. I want a burger. And I, we were like, be good. Behave. You'll be all right. We'll get you a burger later. But, you know, he was talking about, well, this is, we use this lettuce as our, Sandwich, now we just do it because it's a diet thing. 
But he was just talking, we do this. And I said, hey, his name was Dave. I said, Dave, can I get you something to drink, sir? He said, no, we got this watermelon here. And the watermelon's so juicy, I won't need anything to drink. And it was one of those watermelons, it was in the summer, that you could almost drink it while you ate it. I mean, just was, it was really good, and so that was good. My boys, the best thing they like about watermelon was spitting seeds. We get seedless now. Because <laughs> you find seeds everywhere, you know. They don't hold them. <laughs> but anyway, we had that lunch. And, and to, to listen to him, because see, to him, it was life. It was how they lived. It was how they operated. It was everything, you know, this is what they did. They, you know, it was what they needed to, to complete the mission. It was what was happening where they were at. They're passionate about who they are and why they're there. Jesus makes a promise in verse 10 through 13 of Revelation 3. You have obeyed my command and to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. And I put in here, in other words, you get raptured. So Jesus is telling us some things right here that you know, we're going to talk about later as we get on in this, in this book. But he's, he's basically saying, I'm coming, well, it goes on, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. They'll never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they'll be citizens in the city of my God. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven and my God, I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Again, he's talking, now think about this, he's talking about the new heavens and the new earth and all of that. He's, he's putting it all in there. We're going to kind of pull that apart as we go through this. But he's saying things. He's saying, if we stay true, that's, this is one of those scriptures that says, okay, we're going to get out of here before this gets too bad. That's really good. Say that again. Well, thank you. We're going to get out of here before this is too bad. I mean, uh, I, do, I do believe that. Uh, he warned Sardis and Thyatira that he would come back and surprise them like a thief in the night. So he's telling these other churches, I mean, you need to get this right or you're, you're going to be taken off guard. Think about the ten virgins and the five that were prepared and they had the oil and the other five. They said, give us some of your oil. Share with us. They said, go get your own. We got just enough for us. And so while they were gone, you remember, they came and the door was shut and they couldn't get in. He's telling us all this time we need to be on watch. Now, Brett, will, will Jesus come back? He could. Will he come back? To, he could come back now. Could he, it might not be in this lifetime for me. I still get to go. Whenever it is, I'm going. Whether it's the dead in Christ, I'd like to think I get to fly like Superman because that's one of my dreams. So, you know, I don't know when he's coming. But we need to be on guard and we need to be obedient. Does it mean these other churches, if they don't care, are going to miss the rapture? I'll let you go ahead and try to make that call. I'm going to give that to God. But my advice would be, you need to get right so you don't get left. So, we all need to be ready. We all need to be watching. Philadelphia is the church that has the open door. In other words, they're, they're saying, you know what, we're going to love people. We're going to give to those that are in need, teach the Bible, and we're going to show love. So, they're going to do those three things. They're, they are, they're going to... Sponsor and help missions, people that are going places or that need help. They're going to show love and they're going to teach what the word says. And Jesus again says, great rewards for those that ever come. He puts this challenge out in 3.13 of Revelation. Anyone with ears must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. 
He's saying this in every letter. He's saying that same thing. You need to hear what I'm saying. That's what he's saying. Are you listening? Have you ever had your parent say, tell you to do something, and you really didn't pay attention, and they tell you over and over and over again, and then finally, you know? Sometimes, I mean, as guys, it depends on what we're doing. If I'm concentrating on something, I just, I hear noise, but I don't really, yeah. I mean, it just happened yesterday. She said something to me. I knew she was talking, but I didn't think she was talking to me because I was looking at a recipe that we were doing for lunch today. So I was just, you know, I was focused because she'll, she'll tell you, you, you don't multitask too, too well. I'm just like, so sue me. I mean, I said, baby, I was just, I was trying to, you know, she's like, no, I get it. It's all good. But, you know, he's saying, do you hear what I'm saying? Because if God is repeating himself, I mean, let's think about it. If we, you know, God probably doesn't have to repeat himself at all, but he is. 365 times he says, fear not in the Bible, because he's trying to get something to you. Do you hear what he's trying to tell? In each letter, we as a church should all be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm guilty of that too, or I need to check this as well. We have one church to go, so let's grab that one, okay? Apathetic church. This is the definition of apathy. Apathy is the state of not caring. The word is especially used to refer to the lack of interest or concern about things, especially those that others find important or exciting. It can also mean the absence of suppression of emotion or passion. Apathetic Christianity shouldn't go together, but you know sometimes it seems like it tries to. It's half-hearted, lukewarm, I don't care as long as I'm taking care of attitude, it's very selfish. It fills our churches across these great United States and even beyond our borders. How's that happen? What did, and again, this is what we're looking at in every letter. What does Jesus think about this? This letter is to the church of Laodicea. And it brings us really kind of up to date to modern times. He's trying to stir the church up with their I don't care attitudes. Now remember, again, consistent in all of these letters, Jesus loves his church and he does what? He disciplines those he loves. Now I've only met a few atheists in my time. I, one time I got uh, a word that I needed to go to the hospital and see this guy. And I was told he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God, but he was he was scheduled to die in two weeks they didn't give him more than two weeks to live and they told me i've never met the guy i just went because somebody knew somebody that knew somebody and somebody you might say well brett why would you go because according to that word we go to do what tell people about jesus that's what we do you don't have to be a minister to do that well you actually are a minister when you do that so there you go so i went to the hospital i didn't even get a foot in the door and i'm telling you i got cussed out with some of the most colorful words i've heard in a long time and he was like you blankety blank blank i know you're a preacher blank 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 get out of here and get out of the blankety blank 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 and uh and he was yelling i mean it wasn't quiet he was yelling and you could hear him all down the hall i had as you know if you well when i go visit i usually leave a card because sometimes there are family that aren't there, and I, I want them to know that I stopped so I could pray for their, their family members. So uh, I, I just pulled the card out, and I said, and this was on the table, not his. It was a, you know, the bed beside him was empty. And I said, I'm going to put my card right here. And I said, if you want to throw it away, up to you. And I just backed out of the room. I'm out. Within two weeks, he called me 
He sounded a lot different. He said, could you come back? And I went back, led him to Jesus. He died two days later. Now, I've met some atheists in my time because atheists don't have any ground to stand on. They don't believe. But when they're facing death, somehow that changes. But I've met a lot of apatheists. That's hard to say. If I said that fast, it would be apatheists. <laughs> in other words, just people that just plain out don't care, especially in church. You know, at least people in the world, you know where they stand. I knew where the guy stood when he cussed me out. Well, I don't think we're going to, you know, not going to do much today. But, you know, sometimes we just, they're like, what? Sometimes people just plain don't care. And, and it doesn't, if, if it doesn't come into their realm, never mind. Jesus calls these people lukewarm. Laodicea means ruled by people, like a democracy. It sounds great. But when the people vote to overrule God's word, it's not so good, is it? Kind of like we're seeing today. Just to coin a song, we got trouble, my friend, right here in this city with a capital T, and that rhymes with me, and that stands for mess. I mean, we just need people that'll just stand up for God. The church took a vote and decided that there's no hell. There's people that go, there's no hell, and God is love. He won't send anybody there anyway. He doesn't judge anymore. And oh, yeah, Jesus never really rose from the dead, so I guess he's not coming again. I mean, who? you cannot change the word of God. You can go ahead and do whatever, but God says don't add to it or take it away from it. You, you can't do anything about it. You can say it's not true. It doesn't make it not true. Just because you say it, no, it's still true. The response is, you know, people just, I don't care anyway. You know, I had a guy tell me at, at Honda one time, he said, hey, when you die, you're just, you're just food for the worms. What a great outlook. Dude. So, you know, this is what you do. You just be who God wants you to be. And so I just told him, you know, we, on Honda, you work across from each other on, on cars. And so the cars are moving. And so I'd say, you know, that's kind of a sad outlook. It's too bad that's not how it works. And I'd just go back to the next car, and he would hurry up, and he'd come, and he'd go, what do you mean? That's not how it works. I said, you know that worm thing. I said, you really believe that? <laughs> Boy, that's not how it works at all. And i go to the next car, and he'd come back to the next car. You know what I'm doing? I'm vision. He's like, well, why doesn't that work? And so I started telling him, well, this is what the Bible says. Well, I don't believe in the Bible. Well, then I guess you'll just be food for worms, but if that's the way you want to look at it, well, how do you look at it? And so, you know, before you know it, I'm telling this guy about Jesus. But we live in a generation that they want to replace everything with, I don't care, whatever, whatever. Or, you know, how about this? Instead of amen, let's just say a women. That's stupid. You online? That's stupid. Not you, but that way, I mean, that's dumb. Do you even understand what amen was? Amen was not being a man. It was, you know what amen means? So be it. That's what it means. It is just saying, this is what God says in his word, so be it. Period. That's all that means. It's not a reference. We can't say that. It might offend somebody. Now they're saying in the government, you know, we can't mention any type of gender. You can't have father, mother, brother. It's scary. 
the apathetic church that votes on God's authority, Jesus says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So be it, is what he's saying. Jesus is the last word. It is the finale. His word is it. You know, your kids ever do this? Uh, I don't have to go. Yes, you do. We have to pick this up. No, uh uh-uh. Dad said. Boom. That's almost like drop the mic. Oh, man. Dad said or mom said. Whatever that is, then, okay, we got to pick that up. Why? Because that's the final word. Their word gets upped by dad or mom. Jesus is saying, when you're lukewarm, I don't like it. Years ago, we pastored um, in another church, and the family's still friends with this family today. They ask, hey, he wants you to come to his birthday celebration, and he went to, I think Kim said Joe's Crab Shack. I just know he liked crab legs. You did not want to sit across from this young teenager when he's eating crab. I mean, butter was flying. He just cracking those things and sucking out whatever. And just, I mean, kid was hungry. Okay, well, his dad is uh, still a great friend of mine. And we stay in touch every once in a while. Um, and his dad said, hey, pastor, I'm going to order you something. And I'm because, you know, and I'm like, why? And he said, well, because, you know, you and muscles, I'm ordering you some muscles. I'm like, I'll just keep my own things. So we ordered some muscles. There were 10 of them. I've never had those kind of muscles. And I'm like, I don't know. Because that's this stuff, they're in little shells. And you just tip it, and it's supposed to just slide down, do the rest of the work. So he's like, oh, you got to try it. I'm like, I don't want to try it. I want to try it. The kid goes, please, it's my birthday. I'm like, help me, Jesus. So I said, okay, I'll try one. So now my kids are like, oh, (laughs) because, I mean, it doesn't even look like it's done. Does it? No, it looks like sea poo. You know, it's just nasty. So I said, what do you do? He said, you just, and you just. I remember putting that, and I'm trying to tell that thing, slide down, slide down. You know what it's telling me? I don't want to. Because inside me, my, my body's going, get it out, get it out, get it out. <laughs> and I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to lose anything I just had, and this is going to ruin this party. But I mean, I'm like, oh. And I finally got the thing down. And, and he goes, you want any more? I'm like, no. He ate every one of them. Okay, the reason I gave you that story, it was so nasty. That's what Jesus is saying. I don't like, he spits that stuff out. You want to just play church? He spits that out. You want to be just lukewarm? He spits that out. You know, you know people, and I know people, that don't love God at all. At least you know where they stand. Are they going to heaven? No. But maybe it's your job to show them why they should. But if they're just playing church, and I'm I'm good on Sundays, but six days a week, I live like the devil. He spits that out. He says, he tells them he wishes they were hot or cold. They're disgusting to him, and he will spit them out. So apathetic Christianity is like old, warm milk, milk that's gone bad. And I grew up with a mother, and she is awesome. She would buy milk in bulk and then say, we will just freeze it. Milk should never be frozen. (laughs) Did you know that the enemy has a room in hell that thaws out milk for you to use on any kind of cereal? 
down. I would sit in the morning. True story. I would sit, and she had gotten some milk out. I don't know. And I sat, and Mom, I love you. I know. <laughs> She's just looking at me. And, and I sat, put my cereal there, and, and the milk had turned to cottage cheese. And it kind of ruins your breakfast. It's not meant to be thawed. You see, Jesus is saying, look, his word is, is meant to go forth. It is meant to be fresh. It, it will cut the bone from there. It will do what it's, it's sent to do. So why doesn't the church even care? Look at Revelation 3, 17, 22. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. Now again, he's saying it again. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Again, he's saying, are you listening? Now, this is Laodicea, and uh, they're not caring. They're taking things for granted. And again, we've pastored in an area where what was happening in the area was it was just it was a well-to-do area. And there's nothing wrong with having stuff. How many know it's okay to have stuff? But if the stuff have you, my, the hardest thing... You know, if somebody needs Jesus, they're ready and willing and you know, their life is bad, they're, they're ready to come. Somebody that has everything, you have to convince them they need Jesus. Because they don't, they don't see it. I've got everything I need. What do I need? What do I need him for? I have everything I need. They're, they're pampered so much. There's nothing wrong with having nice things, so please don't misunderstand me. Uh, it's okay. But we need to understand in Matthew when the Bible says, um, you know, it talks about things it says seek first the kingdom that's meaning god and his kingdom and actually it says kingdom first because if you get the kingdom you get god so if you get the kingdom the things come now listen that will help you to do your assignment that's why you get the things the things and and they're good there's nothing wrong with things but they are to help you so that you can do what your assignment is and one of the reasons that Pastor Gary is so passionate about freeing people from debt is because, now listen to me, and this is true, if you have to worry about where your next meal's coming from, you don't have peace. So when you're eating lunch, it's all good, but you're already thinking, what am I going to have for supper in about four or five hours when I'm hungry again? How am I going to pay the rent? What am I going to... So that is why I'm just, I'm just trying to help you Understand that things can't have you. Things are to help you do your assignment. That's why we have to seek God first. We have to focus on him first. There's, again, it's okay to have great things, but we just have to, you know, there's extremes, obviously. Jesus is telling them the real riches are the kingdom. It is the Lord, and his riches are you. You are the true riches of the kingdom. And he is saying, when you come with me, can you, can you imagine streets of gold, and he is preparing a mansion for you up in heaven? You're not going to have needs anymore. 
I mean, it's all going to be met. Nothing on this earth can compare to that. What happens is if we put the other in front of the kingdom, it blinds us. It blinds us. You know, sometimes you help people and you say, you know what? You need to, you need to sell that. You need to do this. And they're like, I can't sell that. Well, what if it was something that, you know, it would free up so much money that it would make their life so much easier. And then later when you're on your feet, you could do it, you know, you could afford that. Does that make sense? Sometimes those things are hard to hear, but God's going to tell you things like you need to let this go. You need to do this. You need to come over here with me. You need to stay with me. You need to pray. You need to sow. You need to whatever he's telling you. Because if you go after God first, the, the things for your assignment will follow you. They'll come after you. I mean, it, they just start showing up. Jesus loves his people. And remember, he disciplines those that he loves, his church. And he speaks truth and he reveals untruths and he tells us to repent. And he tells us to turn back and get a hold of God. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of the heart's door. Most of you have seen this picture before. Notice in this picture, I grew up as a kid, and I, I liked this picture because Jesus doesn't look scary. You've already heard that story before. But notice the glow around the door and the archway. That's why it's called the heart's door. Now, there's a reason because... We're talking about when we talk about asking Jesus in our heart, that's why this. And Revelation 3.20 is what is usually quoted at the bottom of this picture. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in. He's going to have you know, food. He's going, to, he's going to fellowship with you. That's what that's about. And because he's knocking on your heart's door, that's what this means. If you let Jesus in and you open up your heart, you're never going to be the same. I mean, I'm just telling you. You've got to have Jesus. You can't get to the Father without Jesus. If you think you can get to the Father another way, it's not there. It says right in there, the only way to the Father is Jesus Christ. Period. That is a so be it. That is an amen. That is where Jesus said, that's it. And so that is why, and you, you know, here's the reason for those that are online. because That's why he died. He was the sacrifice so that we could get to the Father. He was the bridge that made the gap, and so that's why you have to get him to get to the Father, because God provided that sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In these seven letters, he calls out to the church seven times to hear what is being said. Let me ask you today, can you hear him knocking? Where are you at this morning? I mean, have you somewhere in the, we just did seven letters of churches. Are you in one of those churches or kind of a mix of a little bit of all of them here and there? I know I've been. But we need to look at this. Because I, I can't tell you when he's coming back. Could be in this lifetime. I mean, there's a lot of things that point that, it, you know, it could be happening or coming. But it could be, you know, a day to... Uh, us is a thousand years to him. So, I mean, it could be generations from now. But here's the end. We win. According to the book, we win. And everything is according to the book. When you take that mindset, according to the book, 
The rest is details we walk out. I trust protection from the Lord because it's promised in the book. I trust provision from the Lord because it's promised in the book. I, I trust escape to the Lord because it's promised in the book. So I'm going to ask you this morning. It's almost supper time. Don't know when that's going to be. But if you can hear a faint knocking, what if you lived the rest of your life sold out for the one that gave everything for you? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Those that are watching online,